Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey everyone, it's Jen, and I have decided this is going to be the summer of uniform dressing. I'm going to have a few pieces on heavy rotation, and I'm telling you right now, they're all going to be linen, and they're all going to be from Quince. I don't know why I'm going so hard on linen right now, but it just feels right. And Quince specializes in timeless pieces made of premium fabric, and the best part is that all the Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. I am personally very into the 100% European linen pants. They're cropped and easy. There's even a cute pinstriped version. And when I wear them, I look like I just stepped off a yacht. Do I have a yacht? No. Do I know what yachters wear? No, but that's the vibe. The linen pants come in sizes extra small to 3X and they're less than $40. Okay, like 10 cents less, they're $39.90. But the quality is excellent and they wash really well. How does Quince do it? They cut out the cost of the middleman and pass the savings on to us. Plus, Quince works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash fat mascara for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com, Q-U-I-N-C-E, quince.com slash fat mascara to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash fat mascara. This episode of Fat Mascara is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. Therapy is a safe space to get those things off your chest. Plus, it can help you develop coping skills that make your life easier. I will give you an example. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you've probably heard me say it to Jess or to a guest, reframe. Well, I learned that technique from a therapist. Here's an example. Now that I'm a freelance writer and podcaster, I get lonely working from home and I feel like I'm never gonna get to collaborate on projects again. And that's the truth. Reframe, I get to choose which projects I work on. So I'm in control of what I work on. And if I wanna collaborate more with others, I don't have to ask anyone's permission. I can just do it. See what I did there? That's reframing. If you've been thinking about starting therapy or are looking for someone to help you process things and give you coping skills, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash mascara today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash mascara. Again, betterhelp.com slash mascara. Hello, and welcome to Fat Mascara. Hi. Hi, I'm Jen. I'm Jess. How's it going? It's going well. I'm excited about today's episode. I feel like this week we're giving everybody like a good mix of like fun and service and information with our podcast. Oh, yes, yes. If you're just jumping into this episode, the the episode right before that we recorded a couple days ago was our Emily in Paris jamboree. Yes, exactly. Um, 
And now we're going to get back into some science. So I'm in my happy place. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like where you thrive. (laughs) We have Dr. Susan Taylor, uh, a dermatologist and a professor of dermatology at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania. So I first met her years ago um, because she found, well, she's the head of the Skin of Color Society, but NBD. She also founded it. Mm-hmm. And that group has been such an amazing resource of news and information for Jess and I over the years. It's just they put on these media events. They share information. They always have resources for you, doctors to talk to if you're in the media. P.S. If I have any media friends out there, hit up Dr. Susan Taylor. Anyway, earlier this year, I saw her name on an academic paper she co-authored titled Multi-Ethnic Training in Residency, which was basically a survey of doctors in training and they were asking about whether or not they felt prepared by their schooling and textbooks to treat patients with skin of color. What a fascinating topic. So Jess and I thought it would be really great to have her come on, talk about that, and also discuss other issues of systemic racism in the practice of dermatology. Just a side note, if you're interested in hearing more about skin lightening products, which is a topic we touch on here in the episode coming up, you might want to go back to episode 215. We also discussed this with um, Michelle Wong of Lab. Yes, yes, yes. Just like a little, uh, you know, an added, an added something to this conversation. If you want to hear more, yeah, right? it, this is this is why I think it's so important to get so many different perspectives on these exactly. topics. Yeah, it's not, there's no one definitive answer to these like really hot button topics. It's not like it is written. It's you know everyone has their own viewpoints, and that's what I love about the show. Absolutely, Jess. You couldn't be more right. And we're really excited to hear Dr. Taylor's perspective. So here's the interview. Okay, so we're here with Dr. Taylor. Don't worry, we gave a nice bio on you before you came on the line. Truly one of the most amazing dermatologists in in the United States. Like, I'm so excited you're here. Um, We want to hear about your career a little bit before we start talking about um, the issues of the day that we brought you on to talk about. So first off, what made you want to become a dermatologist? Well, you know, when I went to medical school, I wanted to be an internist. And I wanted to treat people from the inner city with hypertension and diabetes and cardiovascular disease. But then during my fourth year of medical school, I did my very first dermatology rotation, and I loved everything about the specialty. Um, the, The fact that patients could range from pediatric patients to, you know, those in their 80s and 90s, the fact that there was a little bit of surgery, there was pediatrics, there was cosmetic Uh, dermatology and general dermatology, the fact that you could actually see and feel and touch the pathology as opposed to like pretending you can hear it, you know, through the stethoscope. Um, So Mm. that really changed my whole focus. Now, when I graduated, I decided nonetheless to do a internal medicine residency. But halfway through, I said, you know, you've got to remain true to yourself. And what are you going to be happy you know, 30 years from now practicing. So I went back and did another residency in dermatology and here we are. Oh, so that added a little bit of time onto your career, didn't it? It did, yes, but it was so worth it. Yeah, and so you, I know you're the founder of many amazing things that I've gotten many resources from. One of the things that you're known for is um, working at the Skin of Color Center. 
Can you, and you co-founded that, right? I did, yes. So um, back in- Tell us what that is and when that started. Sure. Back in 1998, I did my dermatology residency at Columbia Presbyterian Medical Center. And about 10 years after I had finished, I got a call from one of my professors who said, you know, here in New York, there's the need for a center that specializes in skin disorders for people with darker skin tones. And he said, and this was my my mentor, Dr. DeLeo, he says, you know, they say to me, you're a nice guy, but, you know, I want someone who looks like me. And so he called me one day and said, would you be interested in coming to New York and creating some type of center? And for me, it was an incredible challenge um, and an incredible need. This type of center didn't exist anywhere in the world. And my mandate was just to name it, to start it, to figure out what the mission was. And that was a wonderful, wonderful challenge. So what I decided was this would be a center for excellence in clinical dermatology. We would also perform clinical trials, research trials. And at that point, many dermatologists were very afraid of doing any types of cosmetic procedures on people with darker skin tones. So we wanted to really mm-hmm. forge a path for that. So that's uh, you know how we created the Skin of Color Center. I am delighted to report it's still in existence now. It's now affiliated with Mount Sinai and there's a new wonderful director um, who's there. Can I just ask Dr. DeLeo, was he a white guy? Yeah, Dr. DeLeo. Was, okay, <laughs> Dr. I didn't know. You know, yeah. we're a podcast. No, so and Dr. We're a black woman. Yeah, so no, like, Dr. DeLeo said, you know, I'm a tall white guy and they don't yeah. want to see a tall white guy. They want to see someone yeah. who looks like you. And, you know, he's just been a wonderful inspiration over all of these years. And I'm very fortunate to have had him as a mentor. Okay, that makes sense. So when you left your medical residency, did you feel like you were prepared to treat all the patients that you were about to see? Yeah, so, and, and at the level of care that they deserved? Yeah. So I had the distinct honor and privilege of uh, doing my dermatology residency in New York City, in Manhattan, like one of the most diverse places mm-hmm. on earth. So from the time I was a first year uh, dermatology resident, I saw people with all skin tones um, and all ethnicities uh, and racial groups. So when I completed three years of residency, I did indeed feel very prepared in diagnosing and treating disorders in people with darker skin tones. Then I opened up a private practice in Philadelphia, which is my hometown. And I found that over time, many women and men of color sought me out. Because, you know, it's not just the skin tone, but it's also the customs, the habits. Women did not have to explain to me what they do with their hair because I have the same hair. And so there is a cultural competence. uh, And we wanted to create a center where all of the doctors, no matter what their race or ethnicity was, were culturally competent. How do you think maybe cultural competence fits into um, like some of the textbooks that doctors use to learn about skin? And how do you think that these issues actually affect the health of patients in the long run? Um, what is your take on this, this, this conversation? Because it really does start from like the education, doesn't it? That 
people like dermatology students receive and then bring into their practices. Um, and then, you know, we see it in everything from like skincare products and, you know, the conversations mm-hmm. that Jen and I have right here on this podcast. Yeah. So let me start by saying these are very important conversations to have. And I think we're very unfortunate in 20, 2020 to be able to have these candid discussions. I think in the past, many of the dermatology textbooks were centered around people with white skin because that's what many of the training programs and many of our professors and the authors of these textbooks were exposed to and they knew. But what we have found is that the demographics are changing, that there are many people of color, be they of African descent or Latinx descent or Native indigenous um, populations that, you know, they're growing and there's a real need. And so I'm happy to report that in the last five years, 10 years, there are a whole host of textbooks that have been published that center upon uh, individuals with darker skin tones, diseases that occur disproportionately in them, or present differently from someone with white skin. I'm also happy to tell you that some of the quote-unquote mainstream textbooks are indeed making sure they include uh, people with darker skin tones to help dermatologists and residents and medical students be able to make the correct diagnoses. There have been a lot of discussion and literature and articles about this particular need. So I really see the tide turning. I'm very proud of the Skin of Color Society for all of their efforts, as well as the American Academy of Dermatology. So under the auspices of the American Academy of Dermatology, my colleague and I, Daniela Kaczynski, have started an effort to create a Skin of Color curriculum for dermatology residents. So we've been meeting with a group of dermatologists for the past six months, and we have made significant progress. (laughs) And I think we are going to be able to launch this curriculum on skin of color to residents and then to medical school students in the next three to six months. And this has been entirely supported Um, by the Academy. So this, yeah, this is just an example of the the fact that our organizations have recognized the need to educate more broadly and are really Mm -hmm. rising to to the occasion. Can I just ask you, Jess, I know you have another question, but before that, you said that some skin diseases and some skin conditions present differently in different skin tones. Can you just give us an example of that? Because you know, we're not doctors. Yeah, so I'm going to give you two examples of how skin diseases can present differently in darker skin tones. So let's talk about a very serious skin disease, melanoma. So that's the most Mm -hmm. deadly type of skin cancer. On people with white skin, it appears on sun-exposed areas, head and neck, um, back, and in people with darker skin tones, It can appear on the palms, the soles, the fingernails, and the mucous membranes. So if you're not aware of that, you're not going to necessarily look at those areas. If a patient 
isn't aware that he or she, who's of African descent, can develop melanoma, they won't be on the lookout. They might think it's a fungal infection of their their nail, for example. So that's an example of how a deadly disease can look quite differently. There's another rash that we see commonly, and you've heard of, eczema. So eczema, we think of as red, inflamed, itchy patches on the skin, Well, in people with darker skin tones, they can present as bumps on the skin. We call that the papular variant. And if you're not aware of that, you're not going to make the diagnosis as a physician. So a common disorder that presents differently Mm -hmm. in people with darker skin tones. So Dr. Taylor, I want to know, like, are there other ways that racism um, or, you know, I'm obviously obsessed with this term. Is <laughs> it cultural, <laughs> cultural competence? I don't know if I'm cultural incompetence. I think yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so please let me know if I'm using it incorrectly because that would be embarrassing. Um, does it? Do those? Does racism or cultural incompetence um, pervade dermatology? Other than like the text, uh, yeah. Other than yeah. Other than through academia. So no, I don't think racism pervades dermatology, quite honestly. You know, I've been a dermatologist for 30 years, 31 years, and I I would say no, absolutely not. That's not to say that things don't, some things need don't need to be changed or, you know, need to be improved, but I don't think it, it's necessarily pervasive. Okay. I hope you um, understand why we're asking right now. This is yeah. a hot topic. So, in, so let me just say right this. Now. Let me let me say this. So, one concern that all of us have, and we've really mobilized, is the fact that dermatology is the second least diverse specialty in medicine, and the only specialty that is on the bottom is orthopedic surgery. So that means, in terms of what we call underrepresented minorities. URMs, and those would be people of African descent, Latinx, and indigenous. They have the lowest numbers in dermatology. There are now a multitude of efforts um, to address that issue and to change it. So for example, some of our leading germ organizations, the Society of Investigational Dermatology, the American Academy of Dermatology, the Women's Dermatology Association, the Derm Section of the National Medical Association. You know, I'm a little nervous. Oh, the um, uh, Association of Professors of Dermatology. I don't want to leave anyone out. Have all come mm-hmm. together to uh, create programs to, to change this. So everyone is really working on it. At a level of the different dermatology programs, uh, we are, I'm at Penn, so we're looking at our rubric. How do we, um, how do we evaluate uh, derm applications to make sure mm-hmm. we are um, considering the, the, all candidates, no matter what their background is? So uh, that's all to say, we still have a lot to, to do, but I think there's really a heightened awareness. Let me also say that COVID has made a huge difference for, for a number of reasons in, in changing and helping people to think about and address some structural racism. So for example, 
We all know that people of African descent and Latinx are disproportionately affected by COVID. And some of that is probably related to them being first-line workers Mm -hmm. um, and having multiple comorbidities. But in addition to that, COVID has caused most of this country to quarantine. And it has been at a time when there have been horrible murders in this country. And people have, for the first time, really paid attention to what's happening in our country. And that has really been a catalyst to make a change. For example, at Penn Medicine, centrally, there has been a request that every person in the medical center have unconscious bias training. And as of today, 1,000 employees at Penn Medicine have undergone unconscious bias training. And it's not just Penn, it's many medical centers. So that wait, just for our listeners, can you explain what uh, unconscious yeah. bias yeah. is? Yes, I apologize. So um, we... And have you ever experienced actually? Well, we all have. We all have, right? So unconscious bias are our biases that we might not be aware of, right? And they might be biases. uh, They are biases against people who probably look different from us. So Mm -hmm. um, the test, there's a test called the Harvard Implicit Bias Harvard Implicit Association test. And what they do is they like flash these pictures and you have to pick, you know, you have a split second to decide, you know, what you prefer and you pick. And then they do an analysis, right? And they Mm -hmm. can say you prefer white people, you prefer black people or, you know, and it helps you be able to understand your biases. And they are built up from your family unit, how you were raised, et cetera. But the first- Did you have biases when you took it? I'm biased towards Black people. Okay. That's my bias, right? Well, you you learned it in the training. Absolutely. It's very interesting. Right. So the first step, I think, to be impartial um, is to understand kind of where you're coming from. And I think that's really important for everyone. And then to learn uh, about concepts like being an anti-racist, being an ally. So if some, if you two, um, you know, observe someone saying something to me that's racist or a microaggression, you are my ally if you speak up and say, oh, wait, hold on a minute. That's not right. You know, you have really offended, attacked, um, you know, my colleague, Susan, based on what you said. And we should sit and talk about this and unpack this. And this kind of training you weren't getting in the medical fields up until this year at like Penn, it wasn't necessary? Well, I don't think many people were. I think many people weren't really aware of it, right? Right. So it's it's really been a, a, a real revolution. Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. 
Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia, and guess what I'll be wearing? Honey Love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be Honey Love. Here's why. Honey Love has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, they have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding, this was a few years ago, pre-Honey Love, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom, and it took so long, and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line, and after that, I was like, never again. Until Honey Love came along. Honey Love's superpower shorts have a 100% cotton gusset, so you don't have to wear underwear underneath. And there's a convenient opening in the underwear area, so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom. It's so easy. Honey Love products make you look good and feel good. Whether it's for a wedding, event, an everyday boost of confidence, Honey Love is the perfect plus one. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honey Love. Hey everyone, it's Jen, and I have decided this is going to be the summer of uniform dressing. I'm going to have a few pieces on heavy rotation, and I'm telling you right now, they're all going to be linen, and they're all going to be from Quince. I don't know why I'm going so hard on linen right now, but it just feels right. And Quince specializes in timeless pieces made of premium fabric, and the best part is that all the Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. I am personally very into the 100% European linen pants. They're cropped and easy. There's even a cute pinstriped version. And when I wear them, I look like I just stepped off a yacht. Do I have a yacht? No. Do I know what yachters wear? No, but that's the vibe. The linen pants come in sizes extra small to 3X, and they're less than $40. Okay, like 10 cents less. They're $39.90. But the quality is excellent, and they wash really well. How does Quince do it? They cut out the cost of the middleman and pass the savings on to us. Plus, Quince works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash fat mascara for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com, Q-U-I-N-C-E, quince.com slash fat mascara to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash fat mascara. Okay, everyone, I am one of those people who, when it comes to wellness, sorry, but it's got to fit into the pockets of my day. Five minutes here, seven minutes there, when I'm like in the kitchen and I'm microwaving something long, it's got to be convenient. And that is why Aloe Moves works for me. My mindset has changed. The app makes it easy for me to keep my wellness routine on track because they have everything in one place and bite-sized little bits. Yoga, Pilates, fitness classes, mindfulness, self-care tips, healthy recipes, so much more. From beginner to advanced, Aloe Moves has the flow or class that's going to fit into your schedule. Their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what you're feeling that day. You know what feeling I'm feeling most days? I'm feeling 10 minutes. I've been doing that's Joanna good. Thompson's. Right, that's about it. Yeah. 
that's good. 10 minutes. Joanna Thompson does these yoga lotties in 10. One day will be abs. One day will be arms. Today, Jess, is booty day. And we're just <laughs> going to get it done all in 10 minutes. If you're trying to get a good sweat, then you've got to try their award-winning workouts like the sweat-inducing yoga flows or the reformer Pilates workouts without weights. You can also find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, learn to do dry brushing. How many times have we talked about dry brushing on this podcast? Aloe Moves will teach you how to do it. Unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use the code MASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. That's, that's great. That's great to hear. Um, so Jess and I obviously work in the beauty industry. So we're on like the consumer side of what you do. Obviously, you're a doctor. And we've been noticing some changes in that world as well. So I wanted to ask you about like over-the-counter products and what's available out there. Um, do you, first off, like, is there really a difference if you're just looking for like a cleanser or a moisturizer? Does the color of your skin change what kind of product you should look for? Well, so that's a complicated uh, question to answer. Let me give you this example. I think in the world of beauty, and dermatologists are very involved in the world of beauty, maybe in a different respect, but in the world of beauty, we hear so much about anti-aging. Everything is mm-hmm. anti-aging, right? <laughs> and anti-aging for the white population means wrinkles, fine lines, um, age spots, you might call them liver spots. Well, people with, uh, with brown skin age as well, just very differently. So for example, instead of the liver spots or age spots, we will observe an overall darkening of our uh, sun-exposed skin, the face or the V of the neck. So overall mm-hmm. darkening, it can be an uneven skin tone, discolorations, all are manifestations of aging. So products that are going to address fine lines and wrinkles aren't going to be for me, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to have a sagging. I'm not going to have those wrinkles. I got some wrinkles, but (laughs) it's going to be loss of volume, a sagging. Uh, So it's good. The whole aging process is going to be a little bit different. And hence the products that I am going to benefit from are going to be different. I was thinking, um, because my grandmother, you know, rest in peace, she's Puerto Rican and she didn't have a line on her face. Not a line, but she, everything sagged. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she got a little, her skin tone got a little a little deeper in some some spots. Um, so then what, what do you think then about, and again, I'm bringing this up because you know, for about maybe four or five episodes ago, I felt like we did maybe at least three or four news items just about brands that were taking products off the shelves or renaming their products that were lightening, brightening, actually, excuse me, they they, they, they were lightening, they were brightening or lightening products that had um, just, I would say, blatantly problematic names. Whitening na- in the name, even. Yeah, White, like yeah, fair yeah. and beautiful. Or, exactly. Yeah. Fair and lovely. Fair and lovely. Um, and, you know, 
they were designed to lighten the hyperpigmentation that you're talking about, but the names were. Oh, she's shaking her head. Why are you shaking shaking, your head? Oh, oh, you're shaking your head. So, So what are your feelings on those? So, there are two different issues when it comes to products to lighten or brighten the skin. It's been my experience that here in the United States, women want to return their skin tones to what they were born with. So if they have sun-induced darkening of the skin associated with aging, they want their skin to go back to what it looked like when they were 20, the same skin tone and hue. And they will use and embrace skin lightening creams. They will also utilize or come to a dermatologist for uh, chemical peels, for example, because that mm-hmm. those procedures can lighten the skin. So that's one subset. Or let me just say, there are also patients who have acne and they have what we call post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. Increased pigmentation after the inflammation of the acne pimple or bump have gone away. Right. They want to make that dark mark go away. Okay, that's one. That's not why you were shaking your head. We're no. fine with this. So right? that's one um, uh, indication or set of indications for lightening. Okay. Unfortunately, in many countries, and I can think of some Asian countries like uh, India, um, uh, Japan, some of the African countries, a lighter skin tone is synonymous with better prospects of marriage, higher socioeconomic status. So those women and men want to bleach their skin so they appear lighter and hence can have more benefits, societal benefits. So that's those in those societies, we often see those products, you know, fair and lovely, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's not so much the case here in the United States. Are they the same ingredients, though? Like, I know you're talking about colorism, but Jess and I were like, you know, if you're using hydroquinone or, say, even, like, another brightening ingredient, isn't that the same ingredient in both types of products, or are they really quite different? No, it can be. You can absolutely have the same ingredients in these products. But they're marketed sort of differently. They're marketed differently. If I'm understanding... I'm sorry, Dr. If I'm understanding, it's like it's not the the ingredient that's the problem. It's the marketing and the intent and the the kind of the narrative behind it. I would absolutely agree with that. Okay. Now, there's a whole nother subject, another discussion we can have, and that is uh, some of the illegal ingredients in skin lightening uh, products that can be quite harmful. So, for example. Cortisones, steroids, uh, very potent, strong ones, can be included uh, illegally in some lightening creams, and people can have quite dramatic side effects. We know that mercury can be included in some of these products with catastrophic uh, results, you know, renal failure, et cetera. But that's outside the norm. These ingredients are um, banned. They're, they're not approved for use in lightning creams. So, you know, I just want to mention it because 
that's a potential problem. But if you have a hydroquinone uh, that is uh, approved, it is how, it, in what way is it being used? So you're absolutely right. How is it marketing? How is it being used by the patient? I understand. And that's where we're Thank seeing you. the changes this year, so, uh, which are frankly long needed. Can we ask you about sunscreen too? I feel like this is another area that, um, I don't know, people of color have been underserved. Like the the sunscreens leave such a cast on anyone like Oliver Darker and there's, and it's still a problem. I know it's changing, but um, why do they do that? First of all, what's going on with the formulas? And, you know, like, is there any inherent problem in the way they're developed? Like, why haven't there been better sunscreens for people of color? There are a couple sigh. Of, the, hard the, sigh from Dr. Well, Taylor. <laughs> no, so there are a couple of ways to answer that question. It yeah. is generally agreed upon by the medical community that the most effective sunscreens are the physical blockers. That is the titanium dioxide and zinc oxide. So, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, you'd see the person with a white smeared across their nose, right? That's titanium or zinc oxide. Then companies became much more sophisticated with their formulation and they made them micronized. So they broke them up into little tiny particles. Well, those tiny particles still created a white cast, but in an attempt to provide the most effective uh, type of sunscreen, many companies have gone forward and continue to go forward with these micronized titanium and zinc oxide that still leave a cast. On the other hand, you have chemical sunscreens uh, and they perform better in terms of not leaving a, a terrible white cast. But, you know, the, it's a little bit controversial. People don't necessarily want to put chemicals, quote unquote, on their skin. The FDA recently uh, published a couple of articles that demonstrated absorption of some of the chemical ingredients into the bloodstream. So again, that dissuades some people from um, utilizing it. And then for, for uh, uh, in a certain respect, our hands are tied, meaning uh, the, the manufacturers of sunscreen, their hands are tied by FDA regulations. In Europe, where there aren't the same um, regulations or their um, broader, many of those sunscreens are beautiful and are aesthetically pleasing. And, you know, I'm very fortunate to be able to go to Europe from time to time and I stock up on sunscreen, their sunscreen Because they don't leave a residue is correct, what you're saying. Correct, correct. But they have so much more leeway in terms yeah, they have of more, uh, in terms of their the regulations, yeah, they for have sunscreen. They have all the like got, right. the good sheer ones. That's right, they do. Yeah. So I I can't put all of the blame on the companies. I think their hands are tied in many ways. So can I ask you more broadly? Um, you know, we're not going to get the sunscreens for a little while. It sounds like, but more broadly speaking, what are some of your the biggest improvements? Uh, for in products for skin of color, you would say in the last 20 years or so? Well, I think that many cosmetic companies are now thinking about the consumer with skin of color and meeting her needs. 
and are doing focus groups. And instead of saying, okay, we have XYZ product, how can we now market it to people with darker skin tones? Instead of that, they're saying, let's find out what the needs are and let's build new products based on that. I think one uh, really concrete example are now the numbers of shades of foundations, uh, which, you know, 30 years ago, there were like four or five shades. But now, you know, each company might have 20, 30, 40 different shades that match the skin hue. So that's a huge, huge development. You know, I think of MAC. You know, many Black women love MAC. Why do they love MAC cosmetics? Because they can find a shade that matches their skin tone. And, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be a high-end brand. Avon does a great job in matching skin tones. So I think that's a huge development in the last 20 or 30 years. Uh, Let me also give you another example. Um, There have been a couple of studies recently that have demonstrated the importance of not only blocking UVA and UVB light, but visible light, particularly for people with darker skin tones who have melasma or post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, two common causes of darkening of the skin. And now companies have um, formulated tinted sunscreens that block visible light. Um, And so there is um, much more progress in terms of basic science that then translates into over-the-counter products. Um, so I have to ask then, sounds like you have some favorites. What do you personally like to use? Like what's in your skincare cabinet? Oh. Some Avon and MAC foundation, I, obviously. <laughs> I have, I mean, so I'm also very fortunate in that, you know, I get samples and I love to try things. So, you know, my my cabinet is kind of obscene, I got to tell you. <laughs> so what are like some of your sunscreens, for example? Because a lot of oh. my friends with darker skin are always like needing sunscreen recommendations. Yeah, so they range from uh, like Neutrogena has an SPF 55 that goes on pretty sheer. Uh, Anthelios, which is at a higher price point, has a milk that goes yeah. on pretty sheer and is not too sticky. So, you know, you can get, different sunscreens at different price points. Also, what I might think goes on in a sheer fashion and isn't sticky, someone with a a different skin tone, darker skin tone, might not agree. So, you know, some of it is is trial and error, right? Trial and error. Um, But I just want to point out that you can get uh, great products at, at various price points. And it's a matter of, you had, of, of preference. Yeah, you had also, we talked about anti-aging a little bit. What are your, do you use over-the-counter topicals or are you like prescription woman? No, well, so um, I think you, <laughs> I think there is an important role of um, exfoliation with alpha hydroxy acid products, glycolic products. And I, there are a couple Avon products, a new 
And there's one called Ultimate Supreme. Oh, let me just give a disclaimer. I have done work for those companies in the past, all the ones that I've mentioned. Um, okay. So they... Spoken like a true academic. Well, I like it. Well, it's true, right? <laughs> so, yeah. um, oh, I was talking about the new products by Avon that have glycolic acid that are great yeah. for exfoliation. They're not too aggressive. SkinCeuticals, a different price point has um, several products that are great for um, uh, discoloration. There's a discoloration defense. They've got some great antioxidants and vitamin C products, a serum with vitamin C and ferulic acid. I love that. Oh, you like CE ferulic? Yes, absolutely. Um, They have a hyaluronic acid cream, um, so there's a great cleanser that I use. It's in my bathroom now by Skin Better Science. You know, I even like Aveeno Clear Complexion Foaming Cleanser. Really simple. There's a Neutrogena Grapefruit Exfoliating Cleanser. So it doesn't have uh-huh. to necessarily be fancy or really expensive. Mm-hmm. It's what works for your particular skin. It sounds like you have an epic medicine cabinet. <laughs> I, 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 it's fun. I, I like that you that you aren't just about like you know the fancy products. That's really about all price points. Oh, absolutely. It's very reassuring. Some of the best products are, you know, relatively inexpensive. You know, so I also am quite familiar with Cetaphil, Cerave, Avino. You know, great price points, great, you know, really good, good products. Yeah, for sure. Um, so before we let you go, we're going to lighten things up with a little speed round of questions. Uh-oh. Just to get, you know, just so our listeners can, like, get to know the real Dr. Taylor, like, you know, just taking off the, the white, yeah. Taking off the white jacket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she just stuck her tongue out at us. <laughs> so... This is just quick round, lightning round. What is the first beauty product you ever fell in love with? I'm old, girls. Who I can't even remember. You don't look old. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when I was a kid, really for a moisturizer, we had Vaseline Petrolatum. But, there you go. But then there was a, a lotion that came out that was transformative for me. It was Vaseline Intensive Care Lotion. And I had exceedingly dry, ashen skin. And I would, my mother and grandmother would give me these lotions and they'd say, why didn't you put your lotion on? Well, I did (laughs) until Vaseline Intensive Care Lotion came out. And did you use it like on your body and your face or like your your body or? Head to toe. Everywhere? (laughs) Okay. Who is a celebrity that you just know you would be best friends with? Beyonce. (laughs) That was so quick. Of course. (laughs) Okay. What is your most favorite indulgent snack? And please be specific. Okay. So I love, love, love. Um, chocolate chocolate chip ice cream by Springer's. Springer's Ice Cream Parlor is in Stone Harbor, New Jersey. And they have the best ice cream anywhere in the world. 
I don't know it, but I feel like people who know Springers are probably like <laughs> screaming right now, listening. <laughs> There's <laughs> always a huge line in, in front of it. Mm, it sounds good right There was now. a great place on the left bank in Paris that was pretty good, but Springer's is even better. The ice cream in Paris was better than Springer's? No, no spring, other way around. Other oh, way oh, around. Oh, 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 okay, duh, sorry. This is like, <laughs> my brain's not great lately. Okay, so um, what is the song that pumps you up? What puts you in a really good mood? Oh, God. You know what? It's so funny you ask because I was trying, there's a Beyonce song I was trying to remember today. Um, and I'm just. Oh, Love on Top. Love does on it for Top. Because it's just like, and every, she goes up higher and higher, and you're like, can she do it higher? I love that song. Everybody. The band what, in the background. What's not to love? I didn't think that was going to be your song, but I love that. I love that you knew it. Okay. <laughs> Um, all right. What do you want to raise a wand to? And this is just like, what are you obsessed with right now? Like, what do you love? What, what, like, could be a TV show, could be a beauty product, could be a movie, could be anything. I love HGTV. Oh, HGTV. (laughs) I know, that sounds... So comforting. That sounds really, like... Really? She loves H. I love HGTV. No, I get it. You know, at the end of the day, after all the problems of the world, you know, descend upon, have descended upon you, there's nothing like turning it on and seeing a beautiful home or beautiful redo or a wonderfully gifted interior designer. And it's kind of fun. It's soothing, it. right? Yeah, yeah, comfort. I get it. Yeah. Um, this Dr. was Taylor, great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much oh, for coming on the podcast. Thank, thank you for sharing all your knowledge. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. That was an amazing discussion. I cannot wait to bring more people onto the show to continue this discussion because, like I said, I thought her perspective was really interesting. It was very nuanced. And I was surprised by it by parts of it. So, um, yeah, such a scientist. Like, she came at it with, like, a data-driven mind yeah. that I just found really interesting. And she was also, also really great to talk to. Great for FM5. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I yeah. know. I really liked yeah, her. Yeah, she was awesome. So, <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, Dr. Thank you, Taylor. Dr. Taylor. Okay, let's get to the razor wand. Um, can I start? Yes. Okay. Of course. Go ahead. Um, I wrote about this brand, Fluid, um, for my gender... Um, I would say my, my gender... I don't want to say genderless. I hate these kind of like, like these like catchphrases. Yeah, non-binary. Beauty. Yeah, it just like they all sound like marketing terms. But I wrote a story Me for Bazaar about how the there's the beauty industry is um, no longer looking at gender in a very you know binary way. And one of the brands that we included was Fluid Beauty. Um, so definitely check them out. They are vegan, cruelty free, all the, all that good stuff. And one of the things I love about them is they're very affordable. So a product that I am loving is this little crayon that they have. Um, and it's called the Universal Crayon. And I love this kind of rose goldy color called Rose Rover. And I'm using it today on my eyes 
eyes and my lips and my cheeks. So if you like a kind of this, you know, you're doing see those monochromatic looks that are like, well, how do you really do that without looking like muddy, you know, or just looking like you're not really wearing makeup? I love this because it has a little bit of like dimension and I don't want to say sparkle, but like a glimmer in it that it doesn't look like you're just wearing like, great, now you look kind of like muddy or nothing's happening. It's a really pretty crayon. It's yeah. moisturizing. Um, is that what's on your cheeks right yes. now? Mm-hmm. My cheeks, my eyes, yeah, and my like lips. A gleam. It's a gleam. I wouldn't say glimmer, shimmer, any, a gleam. A gleam. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And again, $12. Check it out. Fluid Beauty. F-L-U-I-D-E dot U-S, actually. Wow, U-S. It's one of those. Um, I get no money for recommending it. Um, I'm just really obsessed. I mean, that's the thing with all of our raised wands. I don't know why I said that. I guess it's because I spelled it out and that's what that's what we do with the show. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we do when we have that we do the ads where we spell them out. So I was like F-L-U-I-D-E dot U-S. Um so check it out. Um I'm really into it. Fluid. Hashtag not an ad. Not an ad, just a fan. Jess is just giving you lots of information. Yeah. Okay. So, and I am a fan of Mona Lisa Pure Oil. So, this is somebody, I met the brand owner via Instagram. Yeah, I don't know this. And I said, Mona sure. Lisa Pure new, Oil. New fragrance? Of course I'd like to try it. Uh, so, I tried it and I liked it. And she had given me two samples. So, I also get gave one to my best friend, Jess, the other Jess, other who Jess. lives in Philadelphia. And I really liked it, but then I was like, I don't know. There's not that much to it. It's a very simple scent. She called me to rave about it. She's obsessed with it. I love that. So I wore it again a couple more times, and I was like, she's absolutely right. So first of all, it's an oil, not an alcohol-based spray. There's no alcohol in it. So it just sort of like stays on your skin and your clothes and just sort of like gives you a scent. It is one of these skin scents that I love. Okay. Where it just, you smell like you, but better. If you are not a perfume person and you're looking for those kind of scents, you know I have a couple other favorites. This is my new false skin, you but better scent. It's Amber resin extract and sandalwood oils, but it does not smell woody. These are some of the ingredients that are used in musks, mm. like things that you think of like a skin musk will often have these kind of ingredients in it. But because she put it in a oil form, it just, I feel like musks and ambers when they're in oil smell different, like better, don't you? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I'm no perfumer, so I hope nobody... No perfumers are laughing when I say this, but I'm like, I feel like it like hangs on to the skin, like it. Yes, it, yes, it, it's, exactly. it's got more grip. I'm sure that's exactly what Frederick Ma would say. <laughs> I wish we had like a video so you could see my friend Jess like using her hands to explain how it just like envelops you in a cloud of like yourself. It's so beautiful. Anyway, also vegan and cruelty free, which we love, um, free of alcohol, phthalates, paraben, SLS, silicone. So if you like to check all those boxes, this is for you. So it's $40 for a 10 ml dropper, which looks really small on the website. Of course I did the math for you guys. That is 200 (laughs) drops of oil. You really only need like two, but like you're going to get obsessed and just like kind of bathe in four to six per day. But even still, that that little tiny vial then will last you a month or two. And of course you can buy a larger bottle if you like. It's, it's, um, gorgeous luxury skin scent mm. for anyone who's just like, I want to smell like me, but better. I love that Philly oh, Jess I'm loves excited. it. I, I want Philly Jess to come on Philly and do Jess fragrance reviews. I love it. I want to, but we need video to see her explain it. <gasps> you you think my accent is bad? You don't, I don't think oh, you have a bad my. accent at all. Are you talking, look well, at me. Some, sometimes, well, yours is Jersey, mine's Philly, but when listeners are from the Philadelphia area, they always say they like listening to me because they hear Philadelphia. Oh my God, just give me a beer and forget about oh it. Oh my God. The accent is so thick. Anyway, and hers is like that all the time. She's, she drinks water. Oh my God. Do you know what that, not H2O people, water. Oh boy. That's how they say it in Philly. 
Oh, boy. Anyway, okay. I have a whole story about that for another time. <laughs> <sighs> Get some okay. Mona Lisa oil, put your little um, fluid stick all over your face, and have an awesome weekend. We'll see you next week. See you next week, guys. We hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com. We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor One product review or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at fatmascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.